0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times— to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it.
2: Hi, I'm Imri, the host of The Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you so much for joining me again. And if you haven't checked out the bonus episode with director Ava DuVernay, Please do circle back and do that. This week's guest is a tattooed Bill Murray and flower obsessed woman, Sapphire Bates, owner and creative director of The Flower Arranger, who recently launched an online in real life community for powerful creative women in business called The Coven. Sapphire is a master of curating beautiful Instagram pages, which generate thousands of followers who like her gorgeous images and flower arrangements. In today's episode, we're talking all things business. You'll learn why it's important that you know all of the areas in your business and why you need to stay on top of it. We talk about figuring out what to charge and the crucial question you should ask your peers when you're going it alone. Enjoy! What was the second business that you launched?
3: Um, The Coven. Yes, so so, I know about this. Yes, so a basically an online business. On life, online and in real life um community for uh women, mainly women in business, but there is also just women in careers too. Anyone who's sort of passionate, um, and the whole idea was just um fill in a void for anybody who felt lonely in what they were doing, um, and wanted to meet friends who have like a similar background or that similar same sort of focus and drive that you have to have to run a business yeah. um, or to even get, you know, forward in your career. They all tend to be quite driven people who spend a lot of time at work and do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of just was a natural extension from what I've already been doing.
2: Yeah. Um, what, I was going to ask what made you do that, but obviously you, you just said why you did that. But what makes this different from anything else? For women?
3: Um, it's a really uh, good women question. Women in business specifically. I've kind of been trying to study this because the feedback that I've had, so um because I was so aware that there are other groups and there are other there's a lot like it's a buzz thing at the moment, women in business. Um and I was really aware of this when I started it. Um so I've sort of been constantly monitoring before anybody can join the group, they have to um answer some questions, and it's things like uh you know what do you look for and what do you need to be supported in a group like this yeah um or what's missing from other groups that don't make you feel supported enough what's brought you here yeah um to try and adapt things and the one thing that people keep coming back and saying is that this group does feel different to other groups and i i i'm not even 100% what it is i don't know um i don't know if it, it really does feel like being with a group of friends um I am at the same time trying to teach people like a big part of that is, um, offering skills, be it like workshops or mentoring or answered, you know, just answering the phone to chat to you to make sure that whilst we're making friends, we're also learning really key skills in business, which is something that I think, um, especially creative people don't put as much focus on, but it's, it's so important if you really want to, you know, follow those, in those people's footsteps you've really got to know what you're doing
2: yeah it's really not a fluke thing um what did you do to upskill in terms of business so i know for us it was finance (laughs) legals um mostly finance and legals were the biggest kind of things that we had to learn really quickly um i started an mba and that's impressive. Been so fun. <laughs> um, I hate it so much, <laughs> but it's been really useful in kind of at least giving me a foundation to understand where at least a lot of these Fortune 500 CEOs, how they run their businesses. I know a lot of people have said that MBAs are useless. It's all about the networking. I actually don't care about the networking. I care about the skills and the knowledge that I just fully wouldn't have had. But so I know that pretty, loads of people don't have access to Pretty that.
3: much what you've just said. Yeah is the coven all over. Like it's that balance between networking with people and learning skills at the yeah. same time. Like that is the two things I'm trying to combine with one platform. Um, so how
2: did, how did you get to have the knowledge that you could then impart it?
3: A lot of learning in, in any way that I could. Um, I haven't done any like official courses yeah. and I'm not now qualified in anything. I'm still as unqualified as I was when I started. I hear that. But I, I pretty much went out and... I was very much, like I wanted to do it all myself, which is quite like, um, egotistical, I think really, like I was like, I don't want to give it to anybody else. I was like, I can, like, I can do it. (laughs) I know
2: that feeling. And now it's very freeing to not do that.
3: Definitely. Like I'm at that stage in my businesses now where, well, I have been for a little while where I've had to like sort of let go. It wasn't even control. It was very much if I didn't know before I gave it to somebody else, I wanted to know how to do it. And mainly because I was like, yeah, I can pay an accountant, but I don't feel that comfortable with the accountant knowing everything about my business but it all going over my head. Um I really wanted to be 100% aware of everything, so I just yeah. went out like I went to as many um sort of classes and co- like you know, like online uh, online courses. Um yeah, basically I would I would look on sort of Eventbrite and stuff and and find anything that was like business related mm-hmm. and I'd go to it. Um so I wouldn't say like I'm not I don't know everything of everything, but I would, I've got a good basic understanding now of all aspects of my business. So like the the SEO, um, I've got a basic knowledge of coding, um, building a website, the design, um, like Photoshop, graphic design, so that I could redo all my own branding, um, account, the accounts and the finance, I kind of understand to a certain extent, um, and just knowing different stuff about business, like your different options, like what's the difference between be, between being a sole trader and having a limited company?
2: Yeah, um, something to do with tax. Yeah, <laughs> and
3: and and how does the tax work? And and what does you know what does it mean when companies are talking about going into liquidation? All that like kind of random stuff and that kind of businessy talk that you read about or hear about. I wanted to really know it. Yeah, um, even if that wasn't you know like I haven't, haven't had <laughs> yet a business that goes into liquidation, but. I wanted to just be aware. So it was really a sense of just going out and in any way I could, I read a thousand books. Like I have, I own, like I'm such a book hoarder, but I have like every business book. Like, so do I,
2: I have books for days. I, I mean, I
3: can't get rid of them. Like I, even after I read them, like, that might come in
2: handy. Yeah. I like. I'm a lot of the business books. I've, I've read about eight books this month. or well, slash across November and December. And because I've read so many business books, like I see myself revisiting at least two or three of those books because they've been so essential to me learning things. <laughs> I also have revisited parts, modules of my MBA just because the accounting and finance is like one thing that they're really excellent at. And I was like, oh, now I know how to balance a balance sheet. This is great. I never knew that for the two years that I have been running this business. The accounts just have not existed. So yeah, but we also don't, make well we weren't making any money like that before because it's just content and then and that's our philosophy was like it's just content like we're not going to worry about that stuff too much because it's content like who monetizes that and now we're really taking it quite (laughs) seriously and I'm like yo this is really (laughs) when I did the um I did the accounting accounting over summer and yeah when it when we totaled up, like just how much money we had spent on this just content, it was obscene. I was like, I didn't even know I had access to that kind of money in my life, and whoa, we are not spending like that anymore because this is not coming back yeah. in any no. way, shape, or form. So yeah, like I, I, definitely I hear you on like getting the upskills, and it's something I really liked about Future Girl Court. Um were you at the original event as well? Yeah, I was one Were of the 100. Right? Yes. Thank you. i never find original
3: 100s. I can't remember. I was number 60. Some of them. I, I think I was like 62, 63.
2: I don't remember what my but number I can't number. remember.
3: I might have thought that's probably some girl listening somewhere that's like, I was number 62. And I'm like, I was a number.
2: <laughs> I, w- I also was an original 100. I just honestly have no idea what my number was. Um, I know the spreadsheets around somewhere. But what I really loved about the that session is that it was very much practical. And that's kind of what i like about events and things is that when i'm going to something like am i walking away with knowledge i did not have before and can i apply that knowledge like practically to what i'm going to do because if i can't it's actually useless to me <laughs> like, definitely the event is useless so no it's yeah really, yeah
3: no i agree 100 percent.
2: and that's what the coven's doing
3: yeah basically a combination of things, which I I don't want to say another platform hasn't achieved because there's going to be people who run platforms that will be like, hun, (laughs) I'm achieving that. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's a different kind of thing. I feel like we're offering something, we it's just me. I feel like I'm offering something different that maybe isn't out there yet. I hope, and that's the plan. And it, and I very much come to terms with the fact that you have to be able to pivot a business. You can't Absolutely. You can love it, but you can't be so in love with it that you're adamant that that's the way it's going to run and that's Absolutely. what it's stan- like that's what it stands for and that's that's the way it's going to grow because like life does not work like that. Absolutely. Um and you hold yourself back. So I'm very after already doing it with one business, I'm sort of very open to monitoring what people say, the feedback and making sure it constantly grows and grows into something new and something that is needed.
2: I think um, what's, I think Seth Godin said this, um, but it's perfectly okay to have something that someone else is already doing, even if it's somewhere else, because essentially everyone has different markets, audiences, networks, and it's almost foolish not that you're foolish but like it's always foolish to think that you are going to be able to serve everyone some people are going to come to the coven for you and some people will go to something like i'm not saying fgc is a competitor but like for example fgc FGC works for other people and it serves a different need um and you're right like you're everything's gonna have a slightly different um Focus on a slightly different take and maybe some people will enjoy all three or four different things and it just works that way so i think you don't need to worry so much you, sh- you can take what's working somewhere yeah. else and apply I that think, to your I business i think
3: they've said before um, i don't know who said it though but there was someone who said um uh you basically you either have to um appeal to everybody or appeal to a really, really, really select market. And then the hope if you appeal to a really select market is that that market will tell their friends yeah. and their friends will become that market and that market will grow eventually into a trend that everybody jumps on. Yeah. But you can't go like middle ground. Like yeah. it's apparently bad to be in the middle um, where you're kind of a bit like meh. You have to be, <laughs> be like something that everybody is like, yes, I want that. Or 10 people are like that's the product that I need that I was missing.
2: Absolutely. I agree with that. I think Seth Godin also said this too. I don't My, think yeah, it was him specifically, but I know I've heard that sentiment before. And I, I know didn't want to quote the wrong
3: the, wrong, the wrong person.
2: I feel like he's definitely said a lot. So <laughs> um can't go wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah. So no, it's a, it should be a really good platform. I'm really excited about it.
2: How are you planning to monetize this?
3: Um, so it'll be membership based. Um, it's all a bit uh it's all a bit up in the air at the moment because i'm still building the website i'm still trying to really work out how it's going to work because i really want it to work best it's not about how be- how well it's going to work for me it's really about how well it's going to work for those people that i'm serving with the platform um and as long as that pays me in so- in some way um then that's fine um yeah yeah it'll basically it'll be membership based um and there'll be a series of like workshops, panel talks, but they'll all be um, online available for everybody to view. So if you're a member, you can just log in and watch the latest one, even if you're- Oh, I love
2: things like that. I had a brief membership to Social Media Week, which had, I mean, the tickets for Social Media Week are obscenely expensive. Um, Definitely (laughs) worth it. Uh, The talks (laughs) were, no, but some of the talks, the talks are like a higher quality than any other event I've ever been at. And I was fortunate enough to work there as like a backstage mm. interviewer so i got access to the platform That's for like cool. six months no three months And yeah, I rinsed all of those talks, uh, because it was a membership platform and you could only access those talks again as a member. Um, and also like backstage, the backstage interviews that I was doing, you can only access them if you're a member. And so it was really quite useful to have access to content that people don't ordinarily get. And it still kind of puts value on the things that you're creating. And that's something I'm looking at exploring with the podcast. Sorry listeners, but there will be content that you will not access unless you have paid that's just gonna happen you always
3: get a bit like i feel because i haven't yet put the membership out there i do feel there's that slight sense of awkwardness that you always get when you have to monetize a business absolutely especially one that's been going and runs for a while not monetizing and you get to the stage where you're like okay this is like full time now and i really need to like pay someone some stuff like i need to pay my bills um so it always feels like a bit nerve-wracking but i am quite confident that there's enough that yeah, that is what I'm doing. And I'm not yeah, I'm not gonna feel super awkward. I'm just gonna
2: put it out there. Yeah, I feel that way. You, like I just launched my marketing services. Like I've been freelancing for about two years. I just don't tell people things. Um, and I never really put it out there. I'm really bad at it. And that's now definitely worth it. Uh the talks are <laughs> no, but some of the talks the talks are like a higher quality than any other event I've ever been at. And I was fortunate enough to work there as like a backstage Mm. interviewer so i got access to the platform for like six months no three months and yeah i rinsed all of those talks uh, because it was a membership platform and you could only access those talks again as a member um and also like backstage the backstage interviews that i was doing you can only access them if you're a member and so it was really
0: the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
2: Really quite useful to have access to content that people don't ordinarily get. And it still kind of puts value on the things that you're creating. And that's something I'm looking at exploring with the podcast. Sorry, listeners, but there will be content that you will not access unless you have paid for it. That's yeah, just going to happen. Yeah, you always
3: get a bit like I feel because I haven't yet put the membership out there. I do feel there's that slight sense of awkwardness that you always get when you have to monetize a business absolutely especially one that's been going and runs for a while not monetizing and you get to the stage where you're like okay this is like full time now and I really need to like pay someone some stuff like I need to pay my bills um so it always feels like a bit nerve-wracking but I am quite confident that there's enough that yeah that is what I'm doing and I'm not yeah, you're not going to feel super awkward. I'm just going to put it out there.
2: Yeah, I feel that way. You... Like I just launched my marketing services. Like I've been freelancing for about two years. I just don't tell people things. Um, and I never really put it out there. I'm really bad at it. And now I know. So many
0: people
3: do that. And it's like, you're doing, you're doing something really it's, good.
2: It's just there like, like. Tell people. I should probably like let people know that I do this so other people can hire me too. And I've just never done it. And I'm a marketer. So I don't know. It's when it comes to myself, I have like a really weird thing around money. Like I have a propensity to lower my price or like really negotiate down or go too low. Like I am just awful. That's at it. such
3: a female thing as well. Pying yourself down and undercharging are things that the women months. struggle with so much more than men. Like I think we're so emotive as well. So when we're selling to a client, we're a lot more personally invested in that client yeah. and we look at that client as a person it's like oh she's a really nice girl oh I really don't want to tell her that it's like 200 pounds so I'm gonna tell her that it's like 160 so then yeah. hopefully she'll book it um or so you just don't tell anyone because you're like I could post it on social media but people might think like
2: I'm charging too much yeah I'm
3: charging too much or Who I'm talking about myself too much or la, la 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 and you look at a lot of men and they just don't give a fuck they really <laughs> they're just don't. like
2: they're just out here charging that's whatever that's like
3: two grand if you want that if you don't want that I don't care because other people want that. You can tell because I tell everyone what I do and you can see that they're booking it. And we just like, I think it's a thing we really have to switch up as, yeah. as females, like get into our heads. that Because money is so important.
2: It's so necessary. We need to it. <laughs> you,
3: like, you can run your business and that can be your passion project. But if it doesn't pay your rent, then you can't run that business if you don't have a home. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, like, it's like crucial. You need it. And I can't reiterate enough to people. Like you have to monetize stuff. You have to earn some money and you have to charge your time. Like if you, so many people, and I sit down and mentor people when we actually break down the amount of hours they put into what they do. And I'm like, okay, well, how much did you charge for that? We work out the hours and I'm like, you're, you're paying yourself less than minimum wage. You could go and get a yep. job in Tesco and they would pay you like two, three pound more power to sit at a till and you've worked so hard on something that's amazing. And this is actually the story bespoke. of my
2: whole entire freelance it's,
3: Yeah, it's the story of so many people, especially creatives.
2: Creatives are like the worst for it. Exactly, because I think when I first went freelance, I did all the research and I was like, yeah, no, I get, I get it. But like, it's fine. I can just charge like this amount. People are comfortable with that. And then even feeling like really insecure about it. But then when I really tallied up some of the hours I was putting into these projects, I was like, oh God, I am like broker than when I started. And that's part, actually was the biggest reason I went off freelancing is because it was my own fault. I wasn't charging enough. So it never felt worth it. I always felt like I was working like 5 6 times harder but not a lot of reward yeah. and the ultimately you had to kind of had to really like flip it a little bit because ultimately a lot of your time is spent one sourcing and finding clients and then you're kind of scoping and researching and all of that stuff counts as time and I think if you don't have a history or a track record of like one valuing your time it's going to be really hard to put a, like a so price tag and on it. It's so
3: disheartening and it makes you feel like you're what you're doing even if you're freelancing or if you own a business like what you're doing is not working but that's really not it it's just that if you charged if you charge 10% more to every single client that would bring in, that could easily like really quickly racks up quite a large amount of money. Yeah. Um, and that could be the 10% that you need to go from feeling disheartened to feel like, Oh, like I'm comfortable. Like this is okay. If I just now spend a bit more time marketing myself and actually telling people what I do, yeah. then I could make like enough money to like properly do this and be like successful.
2: What was it like getting your first client? Like How did you know what to charge? Were you scared? What did you do? Um, Really scared. I was terrified. Um, I didn't really,
3: when I left, when I left where I worked as a florist, I didn't leave on necessarily uh, the best terms. I left quite unexpectedly because we couldn't agree a new contract. So I had to walk away. Okay. Um, Because of that, um, I didn't really have, like, I didn't have any pictures. So I couldn't, we weren't friendly. So I couldn't use any of those pictures to start a portfolio to show new clients. Yeah. Um, And I sort of built, um, I built my website and worked with like a web designer and stuff while I was um, staying in Thailand. So I didn't have any access to anything I would have at home. Like I couldn't go to a flower wholesaler, buy flowers and create a portfolio. Yeah. So I was literally... I got my first like four or five clients who I still very grateful to today, um, through sheer enthusiasm and just being like, I promise I can do this. If you just like let me do this, then I could do it and then I could do it for other people <laughs> if you just trust me. Um
2: and were these people you knew or were they confused? No, strangers? they were like
3: people who had found my website and my Instagram, which has been the main place I got work on the yeah, on the internet and they came and they, I said please enough times that they booked me. Oh, that's um, so good. It was very much, I didn't know, I was quite confident in the fact I knew I could make their stuff. Like I'd been working in a wedding florist for a few years and I was like, I can do this. I'm comfortable with this. This has been my job. Oh, so like your CV
2: had like... Yeah, clearly so, you had listed experience yeah and I could, yeah, and I wasn't could just like tell them like, you know
3: like where I'd worked and and what I'd done but I had to explain I didn't have a portfolio so there was a lot of trust I was like I can create your Pinterest board with like the flowers that I'm going to use um and try and create something visual for you but essentially I have no portfolio apart from a really tiny little shoot that I did that I, to put on my website so that people could see some flowers
2: yeah oh that's so good though I think ultimately you had like this one kind of gaping challenge which is you work in a very visual industry where people need to like I'm guessing were these wedding clients because I could imagine yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. where it's like the flowers need to be right um I personally even though I'm getting married I personally have no interest in flowers I'm so sorry but I don't Um, I imagine I need some I think (laughs) I don't know I'm not really bothered um just put anything on the table I really want some black roses don't know if that's the thing want some anyway yeah oh great (laughs) maybe I'll just hire you to do my wedding flowers, uh, networking. So yeah, I can imagine that that would have been like so tough, but at least you kind of established that trust and rapport. And then I like that you found workarounds for that. So, you know, looking at alternatives, using social media to really kind of, not rebuild, but building up that trust and, you know, utilizing what you have done before. And I think a lot of women, um, but also really young and new entrepreneurs get really worried and don't look at how their experiences are transferable or don't know how to use their experiences to get new ones. And it's the, the biggest thing I found with doing the podcast and speaking to loads of people is that, you need to have a track record in these things and when you don't have a track record you need to look at what you've done to kind of establish the at least the illusion of a track record in this space and if you if you really really have no experience what can you do to create it like you said you created like a small shoot so people could see something so there was nothing there you still had to kind of yeah pick up and create something for yourself just so that there's something there. And I think having that initial investment in yourself is so important. And something I've learned is that when people don't invest in themselves, then it's really hard for other people to invest in you. Definitely. so Yeah,
3: that's a big thing.
2: Nuggets of truth there. Uh I feel like we talked quite a lot about, you know, money. (laughs) And I feel like that's an issue for a lot of people, me in particular. Um, So I would like to know one action that you had for overcoming any kind of aversion to charging what can people do listening if that if that's something they're struggling with they could be freelancing or they could be in their careers waiting for that promotion to come if you don't ask, you do not get so what 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 was one action that you did to get really comfortable with like charging for your services? I have previously worked
3: for companies, completely random companies that did not charge enough um and weren't making any money I have Fair, a fairly analytical mind. I come from a family. My dad um, works is in a, like a manager in a really corporate company and my mum's obviously an entrepreneur. So being in companies where I got to see things like invoices um, and had rough ideas of money that the business was spending and the staff was spending and what staff were getting paid and money that was coming back in. I was very much, m- my brain was working through it and I would go home and be like, pretty sure they're not making any money. Yeah. Like why would you do that? And in my mind I was like why would you what's the what's the point? Like why would you? I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like why would you do that? Which yeah. is why I laughed because I feel like I went into it with slightly less of a I don't want to say naive, but I went into it quite headstrong in the fact that I was like I need to figure out what is the right amount of money to charge. Yeah. Um and I've got I've got to get it right. I've got you know even if it's trial and error, I need to quite quickly find out what that is so for me it was a case of um looking at other people in the industry so what other people in your industry charge or what does a freelancer with the same skills of you as you what are they charging yeah um and why are they charging that is really important so if you want to figure out how much you can charge you really so when i mentor um small businesses which i do quite a lot nowadays we tend to look at what their brand stands for what their brand values are their sort of ethos and what they bring to the table. You have got to have, I think, to charge right and to be confident enough to charge the right amount of money, you need to really know your business. And I don't mean just, like for me, I don't mean I sell flowers for weddings. I've done, it's not about knowing I've done X amount of weddings or I really know what types of flowers. It's about knowing that what I'm offering to my client is something that they can't get elsewhere. And the flowers that we create are different from what other people offer. And I know that we're really behind couples having Um, flowers that really reflect who they are and you want people to walk in and be like oh my god that's so samantha and joe yeah and that's really like what we're really passionate about and we offer really good customer service and i kind of know the ins and outs i know everything about what we are and i think that's why i'm so confident in saying this is how much i charge because i know that i'm worth that yeah um and i understand that if it the the thing is it's about being not being scared to do it and if you really know your business the fit you lose the fear because if somebody comes back and says do you know what that's too much money you know well enough you know that you can be like totally understand that but uh, you know my amount is this because x y and z yeah um and you you don't feel like you're just swimming around in the dark like they're going to be like that's too much money and and you're like oh, oh, oh. okay maybe. I tried it <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> it, didn't work. it is
2: I'm gonna go away now it's just yeah.
3: yeah learning I think confidence confidence in yourself if you the better you know your business and and yeah you, you've got to really believe in yourself to charge the right amount And I think that's ultimately you pay for people that say it's this you're more likely to negotiate with someone that's like yeah, it's about 190 pounds <laughs> yeah or my day right is sometimes 200 pounds and they're like someone's gonna be like well, can you do any cheaper if it's sometimes sometimes that 200 pounds yeah
2: sometimes not yeah i i've used the someone set my rate for me type method so now i will never go for any less than what the last amount was which is a terrible system but it works really well because some people have paid me more than my day rate ever was and so thank you yeah <laughs> thank you for valuing me at higher than i valued myself and this was something we have talked about before um For like uh, on another freelancing episode where knowing how to price yourself is a skill um there's not really any right or wrong answers for it there's no like one thing that you can do besides maybe find a freelancer in your industry who does exactly either the exact same thing or very similar to what you're doing and ask them what they charge and when you
3: ask what they charge I think it's worth sort of chatting through their process as well so you might find they have slightly more to what they do than you. You might be like, oh, wow, they get charged like shitloads compared to me. But then if you talk through and check, you know, that there's nothing they offer that you're sort of missing. Like, for example, do they send their client a mood board, which then, although it's only a mood board, that's something that puts more trust in them and the client feels safer and thus willing to pay that extra 20, 30, 40, 50 quid more for whatever their rate is. Um, So, yeah, I always think don't just... Don't just literally ask someone who you think does exactly the same thing as you. How much do you charge? Yeah. Clarify, double check, because there might be stuff. It might not be that you want to exactly exactly copy what they do, but you might realise they do slightly more or they do slightly less. And then you're like, actually, if they charge £250, but I do this as well, like I spend, I have two phone calls and, or I do a venue visit as well, then you could charge an extra like £100. Like
2: the... Yeah, it's such a personal. It's such a hard thing. I know it's not easy at all. Oh my gosh, I love this conversation so much, and I hope you guys have taken something really valuable away from it. You can follow Sapphire on Instagram at the Flower Arranger and the Coven Girl Gang. On Wednesday, we talk about pivoting and hopping from job to job until you find what you like to do. I'm pleased to announce that the Shoutout Network has opened up 10 new affordable membership options starting from £99 for either editing or recording. If you're looking to level up your production, visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk to find out more. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at wannabepodcast. If you're not following, I don't know what you're doing, but make sure you follow us because I do loads of lives um, and we'll be doing more in the next couple, couple weeks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, please, please do leave a review and a rating on iTunes. Even if you don't want to write something, please do just leave a little rating by hitting the number of stars that you want to give the show. To get extended show notes, listing the tools and resources we have talked about on this episode and past episodes, visit wannabepodcast.com. All of the show notes are updated on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Bye.